I turn it on. Yes, it does work better when you turn it on. Thank you, Brother Ellis, worship team, for leading us in that time of worship. I think I'll put these extra batteries over here so we don't knock them off the pulpit during preaching. If you have your Bible, if you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We will be looking at verses 12 through 15 this morning. As you're turning there, let me just say thank you, church, for what took place last Sunday as you celebrated with me my 25th anniversary here at First Baptist Chipley. Thank you for your expressions of love and support. And, and uh, you know, I expected sometime during the month of August, since that was the, the 25th anniversary month, that you know, Brother Mike would say some nice things about me and hand me an envelope with a check in it, and that would be it. I wasn't expecting uh, video of folks sharing their thoughts and things and your love offering on top of uh, the other stuff that was given, the two tickets uh, to the Florida-Tennessee game, the two-night stay there in Gainesville. So I uh, thank you so much for your expressions of love and thank you for being a church where pastors can come and stay for decades at a time. I'm not the first pastor to be here for more than 20 years. I believe Brother Adolph was here just over 20 years, maybe in just under, maybe in just over. I'm not sure. I didn't check the records, uh, but I know it was somewhere around 20 years. Brother Dan was here for a few years. He left and came back for 35 consecutive years. Brother uh, Mike has been here 23 years. So you're the type of church that folks can come and pastors can come and stay here because you're so loving and forgiving. When we make mistakes, uh, you understand that we're not perfect and you allow us to stay and remain. And so I'm grateful that I can serve here with you for 25 plus years. If you have your Bible, if you found Philippians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for your word, how it instructs us, how it teaches us, how it trains us, how it shows us how we should live our lives. So God, this morning I pray that you will empower me to preach your word. Would may people hear not what I say, but what you say through me to them. May our hearts be directed to you. May we be drawn closer to you because of being here today and hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this message, Shine Bright in a Dark World. Shine Bright in a Dark World. Now, of course, that title comes from verse 15 where it says, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Or like the King, New King James says, shine like the stars in the world. It reminds me of what Jesus said in, the, in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. First, he said, you're the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, he said, you're the light of the world. You're like a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And he says that we are to shine so bright. We are to shine so that the world sees us, so they'll see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. Verse 16. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live in such a way that we're like that city that's on a hill. It's up high. It's elevated where it can be seen. It cannot be hidden because it's up high where all those down below can see it. Especially at night when the lights of the city are bright, it can be seen from far, far away. It cannot be hidden. Our lives are supposed to be like that for Jesus Christ. 
Our lives are supposed to shine bright. We're supposed to live differently so the world sees us and they know that there's something different about us and they give glory to the Father in heaven. It reminds me, when I was a little boy, I sang a little song. Maybe you sang it as well. If you turn your attention to the screen, you'll see some that can sing it better than I can sing it. Whoops. They sing fast, too. And that's a cute little song that we like to watch little children sing. But you know, it's a song that has actually great, deep meaning. You know, yes, you know, be cute to sing this, and no, don't hide it under, and don't let Satan. That's all nice and cute, but think about what it means. That your light is supposed to shine. You're not supposed to hide it. You're not supposed to be embarrassed about being a Christian. You're supposed to let it shine bright. You're not supposed to hide it. It's like that sea that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're not supposed to let Satan destroy us, destroy our witness and our testimony, not to blow out that light, but to let it shine bright. You know, it wouldn't hurt us to actually wake up every morning, maybe not necessarily sing that song, but think about that song, that, hey, today, I'm gonna let my light shine for Jesus. It would help us to think about those things. You know, we're supposed to let our light shine bright. And I've got two flashlights here. One's a 5,000 lumens. I think this is a two or 3,000 lumens. But you know, when you shine a, a light in a bright room, you really can't really tell that it's shining all that much. But if you were to shine it in a dark room, then you could really tell that it was shining bright. And if you were to shine it in a dark room, <laughs> if you were to shine it in a dark, dark room, You'd really see how bright these lights are. <laughs> it worked on Tuesday. Should be able to just click that thing at the top there, and on Tuesday, all the lights went out. Hey, yeah, mash that button right there. There we go. We're getting there. We got, can we turn off the, can't turn off the stage lights? No? All right. Well, you kind of get the picture that it shines a little bit brighter now that, that some of the lights are out in the house. That's what our light is supposed to be like when we're shining bright to a lost world. You know, when we're just hanging around other Christians, it's like we're shining our, around ourselves and it doesn't seem so bright. But when we get around non-believers, non-Christians, it shines bright and everyone can see how bright it shines because we're shining to a dark world. The way we talk, the way we act, our speech, our actions, our attitudes should all be different and shine bright. Hey. <clears throat> you found the right button, didn't you? 
So it doesn't matter which way I turn it now. It's, you can see it shining bright. They just want to see how fast I can move, get back to those flashlights. When we live like we're supposed to live, our light shines bright for Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to the Philippians, that you're supposed to live in such a way that it's so different from the world. Look with me again at verse 12. Because there Paul begins and he mentions three things in this passage of Scripture that he wants them to do so they can shine. Beginning in verse 12, he says, Therefore, and we'll come back to that therefore in just a little bit, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. Paul begins by calling them dear friends. He is wanting to encourage them. They were his dear friends. They loved one another. Paul loved the church at Philippi. He loved them, and they supported him. They obeyed him. He was there preaching and teaching. They followed his example. They listened, and so he addresses them as dear friends. And then he says, if, you're, if you want your light to shine bright, first of all, you've got to be consistent. The first thing he says is be consistent. He says, whether I'm here or whether I'm absent, you should be living the same way. When I was there, you obeyed my commands. You obeyed what I taught you. You obeyed what I said that Jesus wanted you to do. You followed my example. But now also when I'm gone, be consistent. Whether I'm there or whether I'm not, live your Christian life and let your life shine bright. We should be consistent. You see, we can't blame someone else. The Philippians can't blame Paul. Oh, you left and, you know, because you left us, we started disobeying. We didn't follow your example. There was no excuse for them. They were supposed to be consistent. If they're Christians, you can live the Christian life whether Paul's there or whether Paul's not there. And we're to act the same way at church as we do at work. We shouldn't tell someone a joke at work that we wouldn't tell to Brother Mike. We shouldn't talk in a way at work that we wouldn't talk here in God's house. Our lives should be consistent. Some folks travel for work. When you travel away, maybe you're with a coworker, maybe you're alone, but you should live the same way there as you do when you're inside this building right here. You should have the same respect for who you are as a Christian, that you'll talk the same way, that you won't watch different things on TV when you're in a hotel room by yourself. You won't go and eat and drink different things with other people because you're not around your Christian brothers and sisters. Paul says you must live a consistent life if your light is going to shine. So we must ask ourselves, are we living consistent with who we claim to be? Wherever we are, whoever we're with, are we consistently living the Christian life? Is our light shining brightly to those around us? Are we living in such a way that we bring honor and glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? If we're going to shine that light bright, we must be consistent. Second, Paul says we need to be more like Jesus. If we're going to shine our light bright, we need to be consistent. We also need to become more like Jesus. Look what he says in verse 12, in the middle of that verse. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. What does Paul mean, work out your salvation? It sounds almost like work for your salvation, but it's not. It's not what Paul is saying. We can be sure that there's a couple of things that it does not mean. It does not mean work for your salvation. Paul is very clear when he starts this letter to the Philippians in chapter one, verse one, he says he's writing to the saints. The saints are already saved. He's not writing to tell them how to be saved. He's telling them how to be more Christ-like. And so it's not work for your salvation. It's work out your salvation. Paul said to the, to the Ephesians in chapter two, verses six and eight. No, not six through eight, eight through 10. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of works. It's a gift from God. 
And so we know that we're not saved by working for our salvation. We can't earn our salvation. We can't work hard enough. We can't do enough to earn salvation. All it takes is one sin to keep us out of heaven. Paul is saying to work out your salvation, not work for your salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. In verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we are to work. We are to do good works, not for salvation, but to show our salvation so that others will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. It's what Jesus said. And so we're not working to be saved. We're working to show that we're saved. The New Living Translation says it this way. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, where New King James Version says, with fear and trembling. We are to work out our salvation. That word translated carries the idea of working out to full completion. Dr. Lou, it's like when you have a, a math equation. I know you're in here somewhere. Uh, there you are, thank you. I saw you in the choir, so I knew you were here. And Dr. Lou would give her students a math equation, said, you know, this is X, we wanna know what X, what the value of X is. They would have to work it out on their piece of paper all the way to completion, not halfway. You don't, you don't get credit for halfway. You have to work it all the way out. And so Paul was using that word work out, like work it to full completion. You would have to know what X, what the value of X is. And in your salvation, you've got to work it all the way out. When you become a Christian, you're a babe in Christ, the Bible says. You're not fully grown and mature. And so you've got to work at becoming more like Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Work at being saved. Work out your salvation. Continue to work and grow to be Christ-like. You see, the, the purpose that God wants us to achieve is Christ-likeness. The theological term for that is sanctification. We're to grow in Christ-likeness. We're becoming more sanctified as we live our Christian life. But it takes work. Remember when I said the word therefore when we come back to it, where we're coming back to it. Verse 12 says, therefore, dear friends. And we know that when the therefore is there, you look back to see what it's there for. And if we look back at chapter two and verses six through eight, the apostle Paul says this about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, came down to this earth and lived a perfect, sinless life. Died on a cross not because of what he had done, but because of what we have done. And he went all the way to the cross being obedient to the Father dying a horrible, painful, criminal's death. We find in this passage of scripture that Jesus is humble. He humbled himself to the position of a slave, took on the form of a human. He was obedient to God. He sacrificed himself on a cross and suffered for us. That's the description of Jesus and what he's like. So if we're going to become Christ-like, that should describe our lives. Are we humble? Are we obedient to God? Are we willing to suffer? Are we sacrificing for others? Are we selfless? So you see, that's what we should be getting up every day, praying, God, help me to be like Jesus. Help me to be humble. Help me to be obedient to you. Help me to be selfless and sacrificing, suffering for you. That's what we need to be doing. Are you praying for God to help you to be like Jesus? 
Don't you wish though there was a shortcut to becoming a Christian? Don't you wish there was some special pill you could take and all of a sudden, poof, you're, you're a full-blown, mature believer in Christ? Too bad it doesn't work that way. It's like the little boy who saw the picture of the NFL football player on a, bowl, on a box of cereal and said, Dad, if I eat this cereal, will I be an NFL football player? Well, of course not. It's not that easy. It's not that simple. It requires hard work. Yes, you may be able to eat a bowl of cereal, but you better also do some exercise. You might have studied the playbook. You might want to be disciplined. There's a lot that goes into being a football player, whether it's high school or NFL. It requires hard work and discipline if you're going to be a good player. There are no shortcuts to becoming an NFL football player. It requires discipline and training. You can't order Christ-likeness you know, from your app. You can't order it from the drive-through. There's no secret to uh, just pop it in the microwave and there you are, you're a full-blown Christian. No, sanctification is a lifelong process. You can't just take a shortcut and get there. You can't just come to church on Sunday morning, sit in a pew, listen to a sermon, sing a few songs and go home and think, I'm a full-blown mature Christian now. I've had my week's worth of it. No, it's a daily workout. Daily in the Word. It takes hard work. In his book, Growing Up, Robbie Gallaty shares how to get closer to God. Many of you have read that book. Most of our D groups, especially in the first few years, were required to read the book Growing Up. Robert Gallaty takes the, the letters of each letter of the word closer and uses it as an acrostic to tell you how you can become closer to God. The C is to communicate, communicate with God through prayer. The L is to learn to understand and apply God's word. You see, if you just read God's word and then close the Bible and walk away, you haven't done anything. You've got to understand it and then apply it. O is to be obedient to his commands. If you read something in the word of God and you say, oh yeah, I should be doing that, but I'm not, and you walk away and don't do it, you're not being obedient to God. That's disobedience. It's going to keep you away from close fellowship with the Lord. C-L-O-S, store God's word in your heart. There's some great passages, great verses of scripture we need to memorize so we know what God's word says. So we can defend the faith and someone says, well, God's word says this. We say, no, here's actually what it says. E, evangelize the lost. You see, if you're not close to God, you're not gonna share what God's doing in your life with someone else because he's not doing anything. Your walk with the Lord grows stale. There's not real joy in your life because you're not close to him. And that's why many Christians never share their faith with anyone. R is to renew yourself spiritually every day. That's being in the word. That's reading it, meditating on it, applying it to your life. You wanna get closer to God? You wanna be Christ-like? You gotta do those things. Get closer by doing what closer really says. Being a Christian is not about cruising, relaxing through life. It's not like getting on that raft and going through the lazy river and just drifting along. The great theologian Brock McCoy said this. Y'all know him, don't you? He said, the Christian life is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. And so my question is, brothers and sisters, are you at your station? Are you at your battle station? Are you on that raft floating down the lazy river? as a Christian. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, Paul said that God had pointed to us works to do beforehand. Are we working? Are we serving? Are we getting closer to the Lord? If our light is going to shine bright, if we're gonna become more like Jesus, we need to do so. Look with me at the last part of verse 12. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. 
The New King James says, with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean that you're afraid of God. It doesn't mean he's like that bully on the, on the uh, playground that used to take your lunch money. It's not that kind of fear. It's a reverent awe, fear. It's a reverence of who God is. Listen to what Tony Marita says about this. He says, it has to do with living in humility before God and in submission to his will. Oh dear, there it is. It is living with an awareness of the holy presence of God. Living with an awareness of the holy presence of God. You know that as a believer, God dwells within you. And so wherever you go, whatever you're saying, God is there with you. And so when we live in the recognition, acknowledgement that God is with us, his holy presence, he doesn't wanna hear you say some of the words that you say. He doesn't wanna hear you say a joke, tell a joke that you may tell someone. He doesn't wanna go some places that you may take him. If we remember that he is with us, that he is always, his holy presence is with us. That can deter us from saying and doing some of the things that we do because we do not want to offend him. It's a healthy fear, a fear of offending God. We have a righteous awe and respect for who he is. It means that we live in such a way that we do not want to disappoint God. You live in a way to honor him and humbly submit to his plans. We live in obedience to his commands and the principles for living. Look again at verse 13. Paul says, for God is working in you and giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see, God works on us and then God works in us. The Spirit enables us to live for Christ. As we become more like Christ, it's God who is actually working in us, empowering us to do so, to be obedient, to do what he tells us to do, to live in a way that would honor him. He doesn't just say, yeah, go work out your salvation, but he comes inside of us, alongside of us. We're not alone. We're not doing this by ourselves. The Holy Spirit indwells us to empower us to live the way Jesus wants us to live. It's a reminder that we are not alone. We're born again as babes in Christ, but just as babes grow mature, we also must grow mature as Christians. Physically, a baby must be fed. A baby must be taught. A baby must exercise for those muscles to grow and strengthen. And as Christians, spiritually, we must be fed. We must spend time in God's word, not just listening to someone else tell you what it means on Sunday morning, but also digging in a little deeper on your own, maybe within a connect group, maybe within a D group, maybe your personal study time as well, that you're being fed, you're being taught, and then you're exercising. You exercise your faith. You trust God in the small things, and you begin to trust him more, and you trust him in even bigger things. You're exercising your faith. If you take a baby and you just lay him in that carrier, that car seat, and leave the baby there all day long, where he doesn't have tummy time, where he holds his head up and strengthens those muscles, or starts to crawl and walk and use those muscles, that baby will not have strong muscles to do what he needs to do to learn to grow and walk. And so it is with the Christian also. We are babes in Christ when we become Christians, but we need to grow and exercise our faith. We need to be fed and taught the Word of God. This growth is called sanctification and we must work at it. Paul says to work out your salvation. Work hard to show the results of what God has done in your life. We are to keep growing and maturing. If our light is going to shine bright, we must be consistent. We must become more like Christ. The third thing we see in verse 14, do everything 
Church, would you say with me, do everything? Can you say that? Do everything. Paul said to do everything without complaining, without arguing. Without complaining, King James says grumbling. He doesn't say do some things, do most things, do many things. He says do all things without complaining and arguing. Now that's easy when you know, we get things and it, they're easy to do, they're not complicated, they're done the way we want them to be done and we get to do it by ourselves maybe and do it our own way. But when we have to work with someone else and they do things differently than we do, are we still doing everything without complaining and arguing? You know, sometimes at work you have to do things that you don't understand why you're doing it. Maybe you think you shouldn't be doing it at all. But it's not right to go complain and argue and gripe to your boss, to your coworkers. You know, sometimes we need to do what we tell our children to do sometimes and count to 10. Maybe sometimes count to 100 and not complain and argue. Because why? Because your light is not shining. The world is watching. And when we do what they do, our light is very, very dim. But when the world sees you not do what they would do, they see your light shining bright. Complaining, arguing, isn't it better to go later and maybe talk to your boss, your coworker, and ask at an appropriate time in an appropriate manner, in an appropriate way? Hey, you know, we did this the other day. We did this a while ago. And could you explain to me why exactly, why, why didn't we do this or why didn't we do it this way? Would this be better? It's asking for clarification, not complaining and arguing about what you're doing. See, the Apostle Paul says that we need to be cheerful and encouraging, not complaining and griping. So if we're going to let our light shine bright, we must be consistent, become more like Jesus, and be cheerful and encouraging. Look at verse 15. Why does Paul want us to not complain? Verse 15 gives us the answer so they be a witness to a lost world. He says, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. If you live without complaining and arguing, your light is shining bright to those around you. When you're filled with the Spirit, you recognize that complaining and arguing isn't the right way to handle a situation. You understand that God is in control and you trust Him to handle the situation that you don't agree with. Paul said in Philippians chapter four, just a couple of chapters later, verses 11 through 13, Paul said to them, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know to how to live with almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And here's the verse we all know. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul's not saying, I'm gonna give you physical strength to overcome your enemy. I'm not gonna give you physical strength to beat up this person who doesn't like you. Paul says, I'm, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but he's talking about I can live through any situation because God's going to give me the power to do so. When I'm in that situation where I don't agree with what's happening, God's gonna give me the strength to not complain and fuss. Paul says, I learned to live in every situation, whether I had a lot or a little, whether I was hungry or my stomach was full, I can do all things because Christ strengthens me. That verse is taken out of context so many times. 
what Paul is saying that he can live in any situation he can endure any situation good or bad because Christ allows him gives him the strength to do so that's why Paul and Silas when they were in prison the Bible says in Acts that it was midnight and they were griping and complaining about being in jail right no the Bible says that at midnight they were singing praises to God there were jailers who were there who were watching them who were listening who heard them they didn't hear them gripe and complain they heard them praising God and when the earthquake came and when the jail was opened the jailers came in to see if Paul and Silas were still there and they were and because they were singing praises to God and not complaining their light was shining bright and the jailer said what must I do to be saved if they had been griping and complaining the jailer would have noticed would have not noticed there was something different about Paul and Silas but he heard them talking about their God he heard them singing praises to their God and he said that's what I want I want what they have and when our light shines bright like that when we're not complaining and griping like everyone else people notice that there's something different about us they're going to say hey what must I do to have what you have what must I do to be saved when our light shines bright we get to share the hope that we found in Jesus with someone else the question this morning is is your light shining bright are you the same every day regardless of who's with you and where you are are you growing and becoming more like Jesus would people say yes he's humble obedient selfless and sacrificing are you cheerful and encouraging even in difficult situations this morning the invitation is simple if God's spoken to you in the area this morning I'm going to pray in just a moment we're going to sing a song and you can come down to this altar area and you can do business with the Lord if he's dealing with you about being consistent about being more like Jesus about being cheerful and encouraging the altar is open maybe you're here this morning and say you know what this is the church where God wants me to plug in and serve I'm going to get out of that lazy river I'm going to get off that cruise ship I'm going to get in the battleship and I'm going to serve Jesus here maybe you're here and you realize that you don't even know Jesus you didn't realize how much he loved you and what he did for you how he died for you you want to come down here and let me know that you want to know more about this Jesus we'll put you with someone who can tell you more about Jesus and how he can be the center of your life and how your light can shine bright for him so we're going to pray we're going to sing and you come as God leads you Father we thank you for your word it's instruction on how we can live how we can live a joyful and bright light shining for you Lord help us to live our Christian life for you may our light shine bright for you Lord may we hear you speak now and may we be obedient to what you call us to do and we thank you that you have loved us you have forgiven us and you have given us new life thank you for the hope we have in Jesus now, Lord help us we're willing to share that hope with others in Jesus name Amen